The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another special edition of BGN Radio. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Don't forget, you can also follow us at BGN underscore radio. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Eagles and Jets game from last Sunday. I'm going to have a special guest, Sports Radio WIP host Glenn Macnow will join the podcast, and he's going to chat with me about last weekend's game. And we'll look ahead to Minnesota a little bit this week as well and uh, talk about some of the other hot-button issues going on in the division, uh, specifically what's going on in Washington and in Dallas. I'm also going to give you some of my early thoughts on the Eagles game against the Vikings coming up this Sunday. But before we do that, let's get right to our special guest. And joining me to talk a little bit about the Eagles game against the Jets on Sunday, uh, some of the fun happening around the NFC East, is Glenn Macnow from Sports Radio WIP. You can follow him on Twitter at RealGlennMacnow. Glenn, pleasure to talk to you again. How are you, my man? I'm great, John. My pleasure to talk to you. I used to uh, be a producer uh, for Glenn's show back uh, when uh, you and Gargano had a midday show back in, geez, the late 90s, early 2000s. It was quite a while ago, so it's good to talk to you again. So let's get into this Eagles game on Sunday against the Jets. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of hand-wringing. There's a lot of people seemingly upset at how the team played. I mean, it, there's a lot of angst going around for a game where the Eagles won by three touchdowns on Sunday. Do you think people are overreacting to how the offense played against a New York team that was clearly overmatched? Well, if there if there's a ton of banks, I would guess, yeah, that's overreacting. But at the same time, I don't think people should fool themselves to think everything was great there. They beat an inept team. They beat a team that was bad on both sides of the ball. And even while the Eagles put up 31, two of those touchdowns were from the defense. Um Doug Peterson, after the game, said was asked if his team played well, and he said, no, we made a lot of mistakes. We had a lot of penalties. And I think that's true, and, I mean, I'll, I'll throw myself in there. I'm Carson Wentz's biggest fan, but I'll admit he's been a bit off uh, the last couple games. He's missed some early throws. He's taken too many hard hits instead of tossing the ball away. He's got to play a little smarter. No, and I think that's fair. I also think uh, they need to do a little bit better than Nelson Aguilar and Mac Hollins getting as many snaps as they are. This team needs Deshaun Jackson back in the worst way. And at some point, I know I know speed guys don't grow on trees, but at some point it would be nice to get a, at least more than one speed guy on this team who can stretch the field a little bit because if it's not Deshaun, it's it's not anybody. And, and Alshon really didn't do much yesterday. Well, yeah, Al, so Alshon has six catches yesterday. That's nice. It's for 52 yards. Yeah. So. It's less than nine yards a catch. And, and listen, he's very good at what he does. 
But Nelson Aguilar, you mentioned, uh, Aguilar was just a non-factor. I, I think he had one catch, had a couple of drops. Mm-hmm. Deshaun back, Jackson cannot get back fast enough. It was it was a key when they signed him to have somebody who would open up the whole offense for everybody, and they miss him badly. So what's your take on Aguilar? I mean, we saw him be really productive in 2017. He looked like a—I mean, now it, I guess it's looking like the outlier uh, of, of his career at this point, but I thought we were on our way to getting a really good slot receiver who, who could stretch the D a little bit. I mean, but he, he's clearly not in, at the Sean's level, but he's basically unusable at this point. He's on the field the whole game, and the last two games he's had one catch. Yeah, and more than a few drops. Uh, John, I, I hate to say it because I want to believe in the kid. I think that one year was the outlier. I think what you saw before and after is a guy who loses focus, which is why he has the drops, is a guy who seems to have enough speed to go deep but really can't, doesn't get open as much as you like, doesn't get up and fight for a ball in a crowd. You know, that's something that like Alshon will do that. Yeah, He doesn't have any one great skill that he brings to the table, um, so – uh, you know, I, 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 I think he's. Uh, gosh, I don't want to say he's a bust, but he, he really doesn't add anything to the offense. No, especially as a, as a guy who's your number two right now. Uh, you got to get, and that's one of the reasons why I think Carson is is having a little bit of trouble. He just doesn't have a whole lot to go to on the outside. But it looks like uh, the, the Eagles are starting to get a little bit more of a feel with what to do with the running game. I think we saw Jordan Howard behind that offensive line is is really deserving of some more carries. And in his day after news conference, it sounds like Peterson wants to give the ball to Howard a little bit more and use Miles Sanders Sanders out of the backfield as a receiver, which it seems like that's that's where his best talents lie at the moment yeah and um took doug a while to get there but i think he's exactly in the right spot uh you know they they traded for jordan howard um when they did i thought he'd be a good good feature back for the offense not that the eagles are going to give the ball to anybody 20 times a game but he would have more touches than anybody and you see how effective he can be how great he is after he gets it how he drives forward and one of the strengths the eagles have that play into that is they have two excellent tight ends and can play that 12 offense with the two tight ends. Goddard is a very good blocker. Uh, he's not. He's a pretty good receiver, too, and I think getting better. To me, the best Eagles offense, when you don't have Deshaun, yeah. is get the two tight ends there, give the ball to Jordan Howard, throw short to the tight ends. That offense will put up a lot of points. Absolutely, and when you bring in an extra linebacker, you bring in an extra safety with that 12 personnel, then you can throw the ball, because Ertz is going to be on a tight end, or Goddard's going to be on a tight end, or something like that. I agree 100%. Um, let's talk about the defense real quick. I mean, 10 sacks. Geez, it reminded me of that 91 game against Aikman where they got 11 sacks on him. Um, obviously, that was a much better opponent than what the Eagles faced on Sunday. But still, from a unit that only had, what, three sacks going into the game to pile up 10 sacks on Sunday, what can you take out of that? Is there anything because the Jets were so bad? Is there any, I don't know, is that kind of a fluke or is that something they can build on? I, well, I hope it's something they can build on. Um, what can you take? You know, what you build on is the confidence. What you build on is guys like Josh Sweat, who had never been near a quarterback, had a sack. <laughs> um, what you can build on is Brandon Graham, who'd been in a real dry spell, had three sacks. It very much was, and I remember that Cowboy game, and, and that was a horrible Cowboy team. That was Aikman's rookie year, and the Cowboys had nothing. And the, the, what I remember out of that game is Aikman just kept getting up, and, and you saw his resilience. But, what do you take out of yesterday's game? They played a Division three college team. Yeah. It takes nothing away from the 10 sacks. I mean, that number counts, but I'm not going to make that a kind of, you know, a forerunner to what we're going to see 
coming up. You did it against the Jets. That was good. Everybody got in. Everybody got their prize. Everybody got to do a sack dance. Now you play Minnesota. Then you play Dallas. You're going to have to do it on the – and then Buffalo. You're going to have to do that three games on the road. Yeah, three on the road coming up. That was my next thing I wanted to ask you about because they're the only team in football that has to play three straight road games this year. And if I remember correctly, the way they scheduled the the, the Eagles was because they were worried about the Phillies making the postseason. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, right. um, yeah. So three straight road games, as you mentioned, Minnesota, Dallas on Sunday night, and then Buffalo. How many of these games do you think they win? And uh, if they end up winning the Dallas game, do you, do you how much do you care if they win the other two? <laughs> uh, well, if they win the Dallas game, it is two wins because it really helps you win the division. And Dallas is, you know, Dallas did what Dallas does, right? They won three games against weak opponents, and then they have to play two real teams, New Orleans and uh, Green Bay, and they don't look good in either of those games. They lose both of those games. The Eagles it's not just those three games. So you have those three games. Then after that, you have, you have three home games, the bears, the Patriots, the Seahawks. Mm. I'm not sure what the bears are now. They lost yesterday over in London to Oakland. So maybe, but I thought the bears would be a, uh, at least a playoff contender. Yeah. Um, But the Patriots and the Seahawks are not pushovers. So you're three and two. Now, if you split those next six, Right, you're yeah. six and five, and your last five games are really against turkeys. So then, if you win four of those, I'm I'm trying to be realistic. Yeah, here. you win four yeah. of those next five games. You got to play Dallas one more time. You're going to split with Dallas, but you got Miami in there. You got the Giants twice. I forget who the other one is. You get another Redskins the, game. Oh yeah, you got a Washington game. Okay, so if you win four of those five games, you're ten and six. You're you're probably going to be playing the first week of the playoffs you're not going to have the bye but if i honestly assess what this eagles team is at this point you know going into the year i i said they'd be 11 and 5 mm-hmm. and i thought maybe maybe they could be exceptional given how banged up the secondary is you've lost the defensive tackles what we see now 10 and 6 to me is realistic and given where dallas is could win the division yeah, no kidding. I mean, and you get into the tournament, you never know what happens. But sure, they want that first round by. But I think what you said is absolutely right. When you have to take on uh, New England, uh, Tom Brady, and then Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is the scariest quarterback in the league for me. Yeah, probably the MVP right now, I would think. Yeah, no, I think so. He was my preseason pick. I'm feeling pretty good about that oh, one. Oh, good work on that. <laughs> I mean, he just, he, every time I watch him play, he he scares the living daylights out of me because you just can't. You can't contain him when he's in his Russell Wilson mode. It's unbe- he's, you know what? He's he's Patrick Mahomes light, but he mm-hmm. he's just done it for longer. I mean, it's it's really amazing. Yeah, he's and amazingly, else. after all these years, and even after he's won a Super Bowl, the guy's underrated. He is, yeah, totally yeah. underrated for sure. Um, it's because he plays out in a way in the Northwest. It's it's just not in people's consciousness. I wonder how much uh, how underrated he would have been if he'd ended up winning that second Super Bowl instead of throwing that interception at the goal line. Yeah, yeah what that does for his legacy. but Yeah, I blame the coach, but yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, well, let's talk about Washington real quick here because they just fired Jay Gruden off to an 0-5 start. They got manhandled by the Patriots, which everyone saw coming. Nobody thought the Redskins had a chance to win that game. But, you know, five games into the season now, they've decided to make another coaching change. Uh, this is yet another coaching log on Dan Snyder's fire here. I, uh, Bruce Allen, the general manager, said today at the news conference that uh, they believe they have a great culture here in Washington, D.C. <laughs> as, as someone who lives in the area, let me just explain. The people here hate this football team. It's unbelievable, yeah. the level of hatred. What is your assessment of, of, of this franchise, Glenn? It's a disaster. 
It's been a dumpster fire since Snyder bought the team. Um, and it's, it really is a shame. Look, as an Eagles fan, I don't lose sleep over their, their problems, but that was for so long such a proud franchise when Jack Kent Cook owned it and, and Casserly and Bethard were the guys who ran it and Joe Gibbs was the coach. It really was the mark of excellence around the league. It was a franchise that everybody looked up to. That is now so far back in the rearview mirror mm-hmm. that it's it's a shame. Yeah, and that and that Bruce Allen survives all this time after time after time. To me, it's really that you look at the general manager more than you look at anybody. I, you know, I'm not defending Jay Gruden, but the general manager uh, didn't set him up with a whole lot of basis to believe they were going to win. Now. They play Miami this week, right? Yes. And are they going to start the kid? They haven't decided yet. They're going to decide that midweek. Um, they're going to let okay. apparently leave that up to Bill Callahan. Okay. Well, as they should. Yeah. But to me, at least if they fired him, they fired him at the right time because they very well could win this next game. Look, they're probably not. They well, you know, they play the Giants are going on this year. Um, if they play the Jets, I mean, if they play Miami, that means they will play the Jets. So they're going to end up winning maybe four games. But if you switch coaches and switch quarterbacks now, you give yourself at least a chance to believe in something for the future. Yeah, I wonder if they bring in somebody from the outside, though, if they if they bring in somebody who wants to bring in a new offensive system, what that does to Dwayne Haskins' development. I mean, it's it seems like a recipe for disaster to have a rookie quarterback, you take it number 15, have him learn an offensive system his rookie year, then have him ha- have to make him relearn a whole other system his second year. That That's a problem. I hear that, but you know what? Sometimes there's just merit in, in taking your hits. And, you know, we talked about Aikman earlier, in Aikman's rookie year, where he just got pounded. But he learned, you know, he got tougher and he learned something and he earned respect of his teammates. And yeah, I mean, if they play the kid now, he may have to learn a different system next year. That's that's the problem is when you have a third offensive coordinator in four years, right? When you have the guy, it's they always have a new one. Yeah. But well, I I wouldn't advocate just sitting him on the bench all year. I don't I don't see the merit in that. Well, Glenn, at least we had an easy week on Sunday with the Eagles this time around. It might not have gone exactly the way everybody would have liked, but we got an easy Eagles victory. We saw Washington fire a head coach and Dallas lose to the Green Bay Packers. All in all, it was a pretty fantastic Sunday. Make sure you're following Glenn on Twitter at RealGlennMack now and catch Glenn whenever he's on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Glenn, thanks so much for taking some time. I appreciate it. It was good talking to you again. You too, John. Well, up next, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the struggles the Eagles offense had against the Jets, some things Carson Wentz needs to do to improve. Is Nelson Aguilar the most disappointing player on the Eagles this year? And I'll give you my very early thoughts on the Eagles game against the Minnesota Vikings up next here on BGN Radio. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. 
<laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And we're back on BGN Radio. So I know a lot of people, like I was just mentioning a minute ago with Glenn, are kind of wringing their hands about the offensive performance the Birds had on Sunday against the Jets. And look, it's important to it's important to realize that the Jets were not a real opponent last week. It, there was there was no reason for the Eagles to stress out offensively about it. And not having Deshaun Jackson certainly is hurting this offense. Uh, but it's clear they were out of sync. They were out of sync all game on Sunday, and it didn't hurt them because, again, the Jets are uh, a Division three opponent. I mean, they're just, they, they were that bad that the offense didn't have to do anything. And, I you know, I wonder how much that permeates into the actual performance on the field. When you're playing a team where you know you have no chance of losing that game, the sense of urgency, I would imagine, kind of disappears. Now, listen, you've still got defenders coming at your head. We saw the play where Wentz ducked underneath the guy who was trying to clothesline him and completed a nice ball to Zach Ertz. You still have to be on your toes and at your best, or at least think that you're playing your best when you're playing at any team on an NFL field. But it's clear that the Jets' offense was not a threat to the Eagles' defense and that they were going to run away with that game. And the play calling, I think, was reflected in uh, in that scenario. And so uh, the Eagles ran a lot of 12 personnel. They didn't push the ball down the field. And Wentz's numbers were, were reflective of that. But now we're five games into the season, and let's take a look at where Wentz's numbers are. And you can't always judge by the numbers because if you're looking at passing yards, you'll look at that, what Dak Prescott did against Green Bay and you think, wow, what a game Dak Prescott had over... 400 yards of passing, but they were also down 31 to three and Prescott was chucking the rock every single play. Whereas the last two weeks, Carson Wentz has been ably assisted by his running game against Green Bay, where he only needed to throw for 160 some odd yards. And last week by the defense. Again, where the offense was, they were not very good last week, but they were supported by a tremendous defensive effort against a terrible Jets team. But we're five weeks into the season And there were many people who thought Carson Wentz was going to have an MVP caliber season. I was one of them. There is no one higher on Carson Wentz than me. I'm not one of those anti-Wentz guys that you'll hear about on the radio and on Twitter. And I'm not not looking to bag on Carson Wentz. I think he's a terrific quarterback. He's a franchise quarterback. But it's, it's ridiculous to not think that he can't be doing a little bit more or there aren't areas of improvement and that some of these numbers surprised me when I looked him up to see how far down the leaderboard he is in some of these categories. He's averaging 230.4 yards per game. That's 21st in the NFL. His 94.3 passer rating back in the 80s, that would have made him the fourth or fifth best quarterback in football. That's 19th best in the NFL right now. 19th. His 60.3 completion rate. Again, back in the 80s and 90s, even the the 2000s when Donovan McNabb was playing, we would have killed for a 60% passer rating from McNabb. That right now rates 31st in the NFL, and his 6.6 yards per attempt is 27th in the NFL. Now, Wentz has only thrown two interceptions this year to 10 touchdowns, so that touchdown-to-interception ratio is right where you want it. They've also done a great job in the red zone converting, and they've done a great job on third downs. Those are two areas that in 2017 were big reasons why the offense was as good as it was, and the Eagles are having more success running the ball this year, which is something that we have been crying for ever since 2017 when they were the third best rushing team in the league. But Wentz is obviously missing Deshaun Jackson. And we're not sure whether or not he's going to play against Minnesota as I record this um, here in the middle of the week. He's trying to survive with a collection of possession receivers. 
And if we look back in the game log, he's only had one bad game, and that was the Atlanta game in which he had a really terrible first half when they had to throw out their game plan minutes before kickoff. There's context to all of these different things. Remember, I mean, Atlanta looks like a terrible team right now, but you go into that game thinking you're going to run a lot of 12 personnel, and minutes before the game, you lose one of the two tight ends that you have. You also lose Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson in the opening minutes of that game. So not only do you have to throw out the entire game plan, you lose three of your most valuable people right away. There's no way a quarterback can be expected to survive that. And plus, he took a shot in the first half, in the, early in the first quarter of that game, that I still think rattled him and he didn't fully recover from until halftime. And then in the second half of that Atlanta game, he was outstanding. But that was the big game that if you look at his numbers, the rating was really bad and he has the, those are the two interceptions that he threw this year. In his other four games, he has not thrown a pick. He has two games with a 100-plus passer rating. He also had a 94.6 rating against Detroit, in which there were a ton of drops. Last week, it was 89.6, which is, again, not outstanding. He did not have a great game last week. I mean, that's just the bottom line. That's the truth. Only 7.21 air yards per attempt last week, but that that number is going to be smaller as this team runs more 12 personnel and as they run Jordan Howard more. The thing to see is that they're getting in the red zone and they're converting the red zone opportunities. They're converting third down opportunities last week, notwithstanding. But it's clear they've got to get more speed at the receiver position. I, we thought that they had solved that with getting Deshaun Jackson. And when Jackson's on the field, he, he's going to be the most important player out there. You see what he does for this offense with his abilities. They don't have another guy like that. They really need to invest in the draft this year in speed guys at the wide receiver position. I mean, yes, they they need cornerback help. They certainly need edge rushing help, but they've got to get faster. They've got to get faster on the outside. They've got to find somebody other than Deshaun Jackson who can give you some speed out there. Because the other thing that's really killing this team is Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar is, simply put, the most disappointing member of the Philadelphia Eagles this year. The PFF numbers are ugly. First, let's just go based on not, not even looking at PFF numbers. Let's just look at pure raw production. And BLG put out a bunch of numbers on Aguilar on Tuesday morning that really tell the story. In his last 117 offensive snaps, he has one catch for 20 yards. That's impossible for a number two receiver right now. How, do you, how are you on the field for 117 offensive snaps? And, and granted, a lot of those are running plays. 117 offensive snaps, one catch for 20 yards with some drops thrown in there. If you look at the PFF numbers, he's 90th out of 94 wide receivers graded by PFF this year. He's 63rd out of 71 wide receivers in football outsiders metrics. Now, that's not great no matter who it is, but it would be understandable if that was the number four or the number five receiver that we're talking about. But with Deshaun Jackson out, he's the number two wide receiver. And he is 26th among wide receivers in terms of average annual value with his contract this year. He's making $9.5 million, just under $9.5 million. He's killing this team. And what really stinks is I keep looking back on that 2017 season when he made so many plays. And you know that kind of guy, that, that kind of player is in there. But what, what what's holding it back? Why? I mean... I mentioned it with Glenn just a few minutes ago. It certainly looks now as though that was the outlier. The 2017 was the outliers. Look at his, if you look at the PFF grades for Aguilar, in 2015, he was dead last, 101st out of 101. 
In 2016, he was 103rd out of 104. In 17, he was 35th out of 107. Great for a slot receiver. Last year, 74th out of 108, and this year, 90th out of 94. Again, just one year in which he's a top-tier wide receiver. The Football Outsiders numbers are very much the same. Rookie season, 83rd out of 88. His second year, 88th out of 94. 2017, 32nd out of 86. Last year, 78th out of 84, and this year, 63rd out of 81. They have got to get more production from Nelson Aguilar. And really, he's the only one with with when Deshaun's out who can stretch the field. Mac Hollins isn't, isn't being asked to do that. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey is becoming more of a possession and red zone target each passing week. And th- listen, that's great to have. They need Alshon Jeffrey. They absolutely need Alshon Jeffrey. But Carson Wentz also needs to do a little bit more. Wentz needs to do a better job of getting the ball out faster. He's holding on to the ball too long. I know some of his release times are probably going to look good, but we also see him taking some shots, trying to extend plays in the pocket. And listen, that's part of the duality. I think Ben Solak wrote about this uh, for BleedingGreenNation.com. That's part of the duality of rooting for a player like Carson Wentz, because when he pulls it off, when he makes the incredible play by buying time in the pocket, we applaud it because it's special. There are not many guys in the league who can do that. Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson are guys who can do that. Both of those guys have learned how to do it while not taking huge hits, especially Russell Wilson. He's incredible at it. Carson Wentz has not learned how to make those plays while also not getting clobbered. He had that one play on Sunday where his leg got tucked underneath him, and I thought for sure he was going to tear his knee up again. It looked like a broken leg. It looked like a, a knee tear. He's very lucky his cleats did not get caught in the field when he got pulled down on one of those plays because it looked for sure like he was going to injure himself. He's got to get rid of the ball faster. And this this offense in 12 personnel is designed to get rid of the ball faster. But that's also going to require wide receivers like Aguilar. And when Hollins is out there, like Mac Hollins, getting open, giving them giving Carson Wentz a target to throw to. And for Ertz and Goddard to get open. Now, Ertz, we know, is is Carson's uh, security blanket, but Wentz also has to look to Alshon. I mean, he, he made a few connections with Alshon, but he was very quiet. Certainly nothing, and no big chunk yardage was there. The team has to figure out a way to bring the big play back. They haven't been able to connect on big plays outside of the Deshaun Jackson plays earlier this season. So they've, they've either got to execute 12 personnel flawlessly, and that offensive line has got to open up holes for the running game, and the tight ends have to get involved, or they have to get Deshaun Jackson back, and they really need him to get back. Some other PFF notes from Sunday's game. Brandon, They had uh, three Eagles players uh, made the their all-PFF team for Week 5. Brandon Graham. Uh, noting, of course, the three sacks, uh, but also noting he had had 26 total pressures this year so that the sacks were going to come, and they they finally did for, for Brandon Graham. Maybe that opens the floodgates. Brandon Brooks, who just continues to be a, a medical miracle, coming back off of that Achilles injury in the uh, NFC Divisional game to come back and not miss a game this year and to be one of the best offensive linemen in football. Really, just unbelievable, an 85.1 run blocking grade on the day. Just unbelievable stuff from Brandon Brooks so far this year. Maybe the most valuable offensive lineman the Eagles have had. And Orlando Skandrick. How about cornerback Orlando Skandrick getting on PFF's grade? Not necessarily for his pass coverage, but for the two sacks and the strip sack that he returned for a touchdown. If If they can get some production from Orlando Skandrick while the secondary is banged up like this, that would go such a long way to helping the Eagles stem the tide and uh, stay in this thing from a defense. That's what Craven LeBlanc did for this team last year. It was a huge addition 
last season, getting some production from Craven LeBlanc. If if Skandrick can do something similar this year for the Eagles, man, that would be that would be obviously that goes without saying. That would be a huge help. But um, that would be the second time in two years the Eagles have gotten somebody. Um, I mean, Skandrick is with the team earlier in the season, so it wasn't out of nowhere. Uh, but to bring a guy back who hasn't been on the team most of the year to fill in in the secondary and then get some help, that's just that's a tre- that's a tremendous benefit to this defense. We'll see how it goes against a real offense next week in Minnesota as opposed to Nick Falk and what the Jets were throwing out there on Sunday. So let me give you my early Eagles-Vikings pick. I'm making this pick midweek, so obviously a lot can change. A lot of it's going to be dependent on whether Deshaun Jackson is going to play. Doug Peterson sounded like he was a little bit optimistic, but I think most people believe it'll be against Dallas in a couple weeks that Deshaun Jackson will be ready. Uh, The Vikings will certainly be a tougher test, and in Minnesota it will certainly be a tougher test. I was really hoping that all phases of the game would click against the Jets. I would feel a lot more confident going into Minnesota if the offense had done a better job against the Jets' defense. And look, the Jets' defense isn't as bad as the offense. The defense has some players. They came to play on Sunday, so they did a pretty good job. But it was a game in which the Eagles left a lot of things on the field. They were just sloppy, too many penalties, lots of things going wrong. And I'm hoping, you know, the Vikings' defense is no joke. They have given up the fourth-fewest yards per game this year, the sixth-fewest yards through the air. Uh, They've given up, what is it, uh, the uh, ninth-fewest run uh, yards against the run. So it's going to be more of a test for this Eagles' offense. Now, they've beaten good defenses before, and they could certainly do it again. The Vikings looked really bad against the Bears in Chicago offensively two weeks ago, but rebounded with a nice win over the putrid Giants last week. So uh, the Vikings did not beat a world a world class team last week, but again, neither did the Eagles. the The toughest matchup will be Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs against uh, the banged up Eagles secondary. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a real they're going to be a handful for the Eagles to deal with. And one of those two guys is going to put up big yards. My guess is it's going to be Adam Thielen, who's going to put up big yards against the Eagles. He'll probably score a touchdown. My guess is over 120 yards receiving. One of those two guys is going to have a big day. And say what you want about Kirk Cousins. He's capable of having good games against the Eagles. He has a career 101.2 passer rating in eight starts, a 5-3 and three record, most of that with Washington. But last year, he came into Lincoln Financial Field and he helped the Vikings beat the Birds 23-21. to he went 30 for 37 for 301 yards and a touchdown. But of course, the Eagles did beat him twice in 2017 when he was with Washington. So I last checked, the Vikings were favored by two and a half. This is a tough one to call for me. I, I have no, I felt like I had a pretty good handle on what this team was going to do uh, for most of the year this year so far. I picked the Lions' loss, uh, I picked them to beat uh, the Packers in Green Bay. I don't have a feel for this game just right now, and I think I would feel a lot more confident if Deshaun was going to play, but I'm going to make this pick assuming Deshaun doesn't play. And without him, this game scares me, especially with Dallas on the horizon. I'm not saying the Eagles are going to look past the Vikings because I don't think that's what's going to happen, but three straight road games, they're unlikely to win all three of those games. And I think the Eagles are going to... I'm already picking the Eagles to beat the Cowboys in Dallas, and so I do think they're probably going to lose at least one of these three games, maybe maybe they end up losing, um, maybe, maybe they end up um, uh, losing to Buffalo. But I don't think so. I think if they lose any of these three games, it will be this week against Minnesota. And I think that's what's going to happen. I, I think they go into Minnesota. Um, if they go into Minnesota and pull off a victory, that's going to be a huge character win. That's going to show me a lot about this team. My confidence level in this team will go through the roof. If they're able to go into Minnesota against a good defense, against a quarterback who has had their number, 
in recent seasons. I know I know all the Kirk Cousins jokes. He can't beat good teams. And the Eagles are a good team. So if you believe that Kirk Cousins can't beat good teams, they can't beat winning teams, then you should be picking the Eagles. I want to pick the Eagles, but I just don't see them going into Minnesota. I think they lose one of these three games on the road, and I don't think they're going to lose in Dallas. I don't think they're going to lose in Buffalo. So I think this is the three games of this trip that they lose. I think it's a tough, close game. I think the offense struggles a little bit, and I think we have some questions about Carson Wentz coming after this game. I don't think Wentz is going to have a great game, and then he'll be able to prove everybody wrong against Dallas and against Buffalo the rest of the way. I'm going to say 26-22 to 22 Vikings. The Eagles fall to 3-3, three and three, but that still sets up a first-place showdown with Dallas on Sunday Night Football, and I think they go into Dallas, and I think they womp on the Cowboys two weeks from now. So don't get down on me too much for picking a Vikings loss here. They're not winning all three of these games on the road, and so this is the one I think they drop of the three. That'll do it for this edition of BGN Radio. My thanks to Glenn Macnow from WIP for coming on the podcast. And just a reminder, folks, to subscribe to the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed if you haven't done so already. If you know of an Eagles fan who doesn't listen to podcasts, send them our way. Tell them to subscribe, rate, and review the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed on Apple Podcasts. And you can find us on Stitcher and Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. G-N.